Welcome in to episode 17 of the Print Press DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue, alongside Scott Bandy, and we're going to be breaking down the week 14 DraftKings main slate. It's a doozy. There's a lot of uh, a lot of injuries to that come through. Not too much value on the slate, um, but we're going to break it down. So just starting with the injuries, um, Julio Jones is out. DJ Moore is still on the COVID list. He's out. Um, Kenny Galladay continues to be out. He hasn't played since God knows when. David Johnson has a personal um, reason he's not playing. Um, then they put him on the COVID list, so he's out. Denzel Mims has another personal thing. He's gone. Um, Antonio Gibson has turf toe. He is out. Uh, Salvin Ahmed and Matt Breida, they are both gone. Um, Alexander Madison is still recovering for his, from his appendectomy. He is out. And Jay Sternberger, um, he's out. Guys who are questionable, um, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Jameson Crowder, Irv Smith, Tyler Eifert, Danny Dimes, T. Higgins. And then uh, Justin Jackson has a chance to come back. I saw that um, he might be activated off the IR. So it's possible that he comes back for the L.A. Chargers. Um, doubtful is Christian McCaffrey, uh, Kyle Rudolph, and then Travis Homer. So that kind of rounds up all the, the main injuries that we're tracking here. Um, you know, guys that are, are most likely going to play. Uh, Zeke is most likely going to play. Hopkins, Frank Gore, um, Brandon Cooks, Kiki Cutie. DeAndre Swift is also expected to play. Um, so that kind of wraps up all of the, the injuries. I, I think the biggest injury news is probably not having Julio. That really just kind of kills that whole Chargers and Falcons game uh, game environment. Just, you know, not having Julio is – they're not going to be able to throw as much. It's just going to be – it's not going to be as back and forth. It's kind of going to be more of a slog given how bad uh, Matt Ryan is without Julio. Yeah, Matt Ryan is – man, he's been really, really bad this year. Yeah. Even in some of the games where he's had Julio, it's been pretty ugly. And I really – this was one of my – probably my favorite game on the week before the Julio news came out. And I still like the Chargers side pretty much off all the Falcons, except for maybe Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Uh, but definitely has tempered my expectation for the game because uh, I, I just don't have any faith in Matt Ryan when Julio's beat up. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Ryan was definitely on my board uh, down at 5,700, but certainly not anymore without Julio. So starting with my probably my second favorite quarterback on the slate. I, actually, he's probably my favorite quarterback if you can pay up for him. And it's Aaron Rodgers. We talked about him last week. We played him last week. He smashed. He's been smashing every week. So Aaron Rodgers, you know, taking on this this Detroit defense this is just absolutely horrible. They're 29th DBA against the pass, and they allow 8.0 yards per attempt. So I mean, they they're just a just garbage defense and of course the Packers have the highest implied total on the board at 31 and a half and Aaron Rodgers over his last five games has averaged 27 DraftKings points per game um you know and he's he's averaged 8.7 yards per attempt so at 7,500 yeah he's kind of expensive he's up there in the range of you know Russell Wilson Patrick Mahomes at least he's a little bit cheaper than them um you know and of course Detroit just gets no pressure on opposing passers at all so I think if you have the money to get up to him, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has 
he's been outside the top 10 quarterbacks twice all year. So his floor is as high as it gets. He probably is like an 18-point floor here. Um, you know, he's just absolutely on a mission. And <laughs> the one last thing on Rodgers is his – he wants to get the touchdown record or something because, I mean, he leads the league in uh, passing touchdowns from the one-yard line. So, like, when, when they're down there at the one, they're saying, no, I'm not running it. I'm just going to throw it to Devontae Adams every time. So, I, I think Aaron Rodgers, he, he's on a mission. He wants to win MVP, and he, the defense he's going against is not going to give him any problems uh, in this spot. Yeah, man, could not agree more. Um, Rodgers is the MVP, in my opinion, this year. I mean, a lot of people could say it's Patty, Patty Mahomes, but I mean, just looking at what Rodgers has to help him versus Mahomes, I really don't think it's that close. Um, so, yeah, man, Rodgers has been on a complete tear this year. He's got, what, 35 touchdowns already or something ridiculous. Um, that's the thing. I mean, th- this year, he's just a different player. Like, he looks like that you know, that MVP Rodgers from like the 2012, 2013 years. Uh, and uh, he's just as safe as it gets week in, week out. Um, so, and especially with, I mean, Devontae Adams is always the best player on the board pretty much any given week. So uh, that stack is just so deadly as we saw last week. We queen swept with it. Um, so, yeah, the only issue with Rodgers this week is whether or not you can actually find a salary to get up to him. We are, we're a little bit scarce in terms of value this week. Um, obviously, Jalen Hurts is really the only big value, and that's at the same position. So it kind of makes paying up kind of difficult. But if you get the salary to do it, it's always, always a great thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> now, I think both of our favorite guy this week is Kirk Cousins at 6,200. And we talked before we, we started the pod about how Nobody really seems to be on Kirk Cousins this week, and we don't get it. He's not projecting all that well. And I think it just is either an overlook or just straight up wrong. So, anyways, so they're going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, over under a 53. Um, The Vikings only have a a 23-and-a-quarter implied team total, which I think is a little bit low. Um, But, man, I really, really like this matchup for Kirk Cousins. I mean, it is about – as ass backwards to what um, the Vikings want to do on offense. It is almost impossible to run against Tampa Bay. It has been dating back the last two years now. They're allowing the second fewest fantasy points to opposing uh, running backs over the last month, only 12.7 points a game. And that's really been the, the story for the entire the, the entirety of the season. So 3.42 yards per carry the last four weeks and only three – uh, 3.0 on the season, just an elite, elite unit. Um, they've by far allowed the fewest rushing yards on the season by close to 200 yards. It's just ridiculous. Um, now, conversely to that, Tampa Bay is allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing uh, quarterbacks over the last four weeks, 24.6 points a game. So it really has turned into a, a big-time pass funnel to the highest degree. Last four weeks, they're giving up a 7.7 yards per attempt, which is not very good. Um, and looking a little bit deeper at the personnel, Jamel Dean, uh, he's likely to be out with a groin injury. Uh, so he was one of their starting corners. And then Carlton Davis, he's been complete garbage the last month. Mm-hmm. I mean, total trash. He got poo-pooed 
going by Tyreek last week. We all knew – we all watched Tyreek just go him. But even before that, he got – he <laughs> – he got beaten up pretty bad by Bobby Trees and someone else, I believe, too, uh, four weeks ago. So, man, their, their secondary is just getting pummeled. I mean, last week we saw Mahomes throw over 400 yards. The week prior, golf threw for 375, 380. Uh, the week before that, they had Teddy B, who's never really that much of a threat to air it out. And then Drew Brees took it to him the week before he got hurt. So, it really is a pass funnel. And – we know what the Vikings want to do. They love to run the ball with Dalvin. But when you can't do that, they're forced to unleash Kirk Cousins. And we've already kind of seen them doing that prior to coming into this game. Uh, I actually looked into the data. So on the season, uh, on early downs in the first half, the Vikings uh, passed the ball at a 46% clip, which is really, really low. However, over the last two weeks, they've thrown – on 56% and 54% of early downs in the first half. And that's really – that. those are the two games where we've really seen Cousins come alive. He's been efficient all year, but now he's actually getting the ball in a little bit. And I definitely expect that to continue both based off of necessity, really. Um, now, obviously, if there's any running back that can get it done, it's Dalvin Cook. But, man, they haven't – I don't think the Bucks have allowed more than 60 yards to any running back this year. So uh, – and the, the – the, Icing on top is just Cousins has averaged 38 and a half passing attempts over the last four weeks. Kirk Cousins, we're talking about the Vikings offense. So everything about this game just screams that Kirk Cousins is being overlooked, especially after smashing last week and his price tag went down to 6,200. He should probably be like 6.8. Yeah. So adding on to that, that point you made on early downs in the first half. So I like to look at, um, also what the defenses allow against them. So Tampa Bay, uh, all opposing offenses against the Tampa Bay defense on early downs in the first half are throwing the ball 63% of the time. That's the, that's a league high league average is 54%. Um, you know, teams generally throw the ball 54% of the time on early downs in the first half of games. Well, teams are throwing the ball 63% of the time. That's higher than teams against Seattle, higher than teams against, um, New York Jets, because it, it is highly effective. I mean, uh, like I said, on early downs of the first half, uh, teams are throwing the ball 63% of the time against Tampa Bay, and uh, they're averaging 7.7 yards per attempt as compared to the carries against them. So on carries on early downs of the first half, um, obviously teams are running the ball at the lowest rate, 37%, um, and they're only averaging 3.4 yards per carry. So the way to attack Tampa Bay is through the air, and teams know that. And I, I agree. I think that uh, Minnesota comes out and they just get, I mean, they're not going to get fully away from the run because they love Alvin so much, but I think that when they see that we're not going to go to run the ball versus Tampa Bay, they're going to have to go to the air. And one more thing on Kirk Cousins is, um, so Tampa Bay loves the blitz. They blitz the third most in the league. They blitz 39% of the time. Cousins versus the blitz, he, he's not phased by it. This year he has a 10 to one touchdown interception ratio against the blitz. And he averages eight and a half yards per attempt. So, um, you know, and this this Tampa Bay pass defense has completely fallen apart. Five of the last six quarterbacks versus Tampa Bay have put up 20-plus DraftKings points, um, you know, in their game. So I, I think that Kirk Cousins is being undervalued by a lot of the projection systems. He's only projecting for around 17 points when over his last five games he's averaged 25. So I, I think that we've we've basically exhausted every stat in the book here on Kirk Cousins, and I think um, 
at 6,200, this is a great play, and I don't think he's going to be very owned, and I'm perfectly fine being on Kirk Cousins in this spot. He's been super effective. You know, he's averaged like 8.7 yards per attempt this season, you know, and now he's going to have to throw so much more. Kirk Cousins is is a great, great, great play this week. Yeah, just to put a button on, on the topic, I mean, if you wanted to stack Cousins with – either one of Jefferson or Thielen in cash, I think that's fine too. And we, and I mentioned that now because we're not going to talk about those guys later in the pod, but both of them, either one you want to stack. Yeah, they're expensive, but man, Tampa Bay is getting crushed by receivers as we just talked about. They've given up the most points to opposing receivers over the last four weeks by a, a large margin. So I really think this is a good way to get, gain some leverage on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm all about Cousins in this spot. And I know that Jalen Hurts is definitely going to get some ownership down there at 5,100 because of his his rushing ability is obviously going to carry him. Um, but I think that the floor is also pretty low with with Jalen Hurts if they just get the doors blown off them by, by the Saints who are just crushing souls of every offense that they play. So moving over to running back, um, I, I want to bring up probably my favorite play on the slate, and he's not – very expensive at all. And it's Miles Gaskin. He's not projecting the best, and he's projecting for around like 13, 14 points. I think that's wrong. So he's 5,600. Um, you know, he's at home taking on Kansas City. Um, you know, Kansas City, they obviously are going to be big favorites in this spot. I mean, uh, they're implied for like 28 points, and, and Miami's down at 21. So they're seven point dogs. You know, that, that's to be expected. But I mean, Miles Gaskin, when <laughs> when he's in there and he's healthy, I mean, he's had at least 21 touches in each of his last four games. And Kansas City, they allow 150 total yards um, from scrimmage to opposing backs. That's 28th in the league. Uh, you know, it, it's it's really a nice spot for him. I mean, last game in his first game back, he had 71% of the snaps. He had 23 touches, 141 yards from scrimmage. And the nice thing about Miles Gaskin is he gets a lot of opportunities inside the 10. He's averaging 2.6 opportunities inside the 10 per game. I mean, that's right up there with, with guys like Aaron Jones, guys like top guys on the slate, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Zeke. Um, so, you know, he's there. He's honestly got, he's a three down plus goal line back, you know, taking on a defense that's 30th DVOA against the run at 5,600. You know, he's at home. You know, I know they're going to be losing, but I have faith in this Miami defense. And the nice thing is that Miles Gaskin is involved enough in the passing game. So, uh, you know, I, I'm all Miles Gaskin this week at 5,600. I think he's underpriced for his role. Yeah, no, I agree. He's definitely underpriced. Uh, I mean, you, if you get a three down bell cow, you know, a 5,600 price tag. Um, that's pretty solid, especially, I mean, his work in the passing game, if you look over the last few games he played this year, seven targets, five targets, four targets, five targets, four targets, six targets before only having two last week. But I would say that two is just an outlier if anything else. Uh, still saw 23 touches last week. So, I mean, that, that is so solid at, at that low of a price tag. And I actually, I really think this Miami defense is, is, is solid. I don't think the Chiefs are just going to be able to walk in and just, you know, slam the door on them. I think it's going to be – I do think the Chiefs will win, of course, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. As long as Tua can put up a fight, 
And with them being down, I think that if anything might increase the, the workload for Gaskin through the air. So yep. uh, I think you could project him for, you know, 15 carries and maybe five targets, which was upside for more, obviously. So uh, at that price tag, I mean, he only needs 15, 16 and a half points to hit value, uh, which he's been pretty much getting every week. I mean, he's at 14, 14, 9, 20, 16 and a half, 14, 15. So he's getting close to there, even without scoring a lot of these games. So uh, I really think he's solid, especially in, in his on a slate where we're really lacking value. Um, moving on to another guy running back, and this is more of a high price guy. Probably, I think, for our money's worth the best high price guy on the slate, that's Aaron Jones, 7,600. Um, just a couple notes on the game. It's the highest total on the slate, 55 and a half, and it's trending upwards. Uh, the Packers have the highest implied team total on the slate, 31 and a half, which is massive, and they're seven and a half point favorites against uh, Detroit. Um, so <laughs> to sum it up, Detroit is just getting trucked by running backs on a weekly basis. Yep. Uh, they're allowing the most fantasy points a game to opposing running backs, 32 and a half points a game, which is ridiculous. They're giving up 4.6 yards per carry. They've given up the most rushing touchdowns on the season. They've given up seven receiving touchdowns to running backs, which is the most on the season. Um, and I mean, to make matters worse, First, the last time we saw Aaron Jones against Detroit was week two. He had 236 total yards on 17 touches. And that's just – that is like the prototypical Aaron Jones blow-up spot. Like we know that's in his realm of outcomes every given week. Um, and I, I've talked about uh, this a little bit earlier in the year. His floor has been a lot better than it had been last year because of his work in the passing game. He's had 18 or more touches in four of his last five games. And I think he's hit double-digit fantasy points in every single game. Uh, so he's not going to kill you regardless. And I really think it does give you leverage off of Devontae Adams' chalk. I don't think most people are going to play both. I, I know we're both we're both fine with with slotting them both in the lineup just because of how condensed this, this team's offense is. But say you play Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams just has a, you know, a normal game. You know, he goes like – eight for a hundred doesn't get in the box or something, but Aaron Jones gets in the box twice. I think that gives you some serious leverage against the field. Um, in a vacuum, obviously Devontae Adams is the better play if you're just going to play one of them. But um, like I said, they're both fine for the salary. I think this is an Aaron Jones blow up spot. Um, the only issue is that Jamal Williams, his usage is really, really tilting. It's really frustrating to watch when you're, when you're rostering him. But, I mean, you just have to expect that coming into the game. You know, Jamal Williams is going to play, you know, 40 to 50% of the snaps any given week. So, it's just something that you have to deal with. But, I mean, most weeks Aaron Jones is getting there regardless. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's their goal line back as well. I mean, as nine-point home favorites, 32 implied total. Uh, you know, 7,600. Yeah, I mean, you just have to you just have to basically be okay with seeing, you know, Jamal Williams on the field for – you know, 40% of the snaps. That's just kind of the way it goes. They like to split it up. Um, but so moving down $100 from Aaron Jones is James Robinson. And we've talked about James Robinson last week. We're going to talk about him again this week. So he's at home taking on Tennessee. Of course, you know, the Jags have a 23 implied total. They're seven and a half point dogs. 
So that, and this is like, it, it's the same thing for James Robinson every week. They're always going to be like seven point dogs, regardless if it's at home, doesn't matter who they're playing against. They're going to be seven point dogs because the Jags are the Jags, but it doesn't matter for James Robinson. He's averaged 19 DraftKings points per game over his last five. He's averaged 81% of the snaps, 24 touches per game, 114 yards from scrimmage. Um, you know, he, he's really just been a solid back. You know, he's averaging 2.5 yards after contact per attempt. And, you know, that, that's really a solid number. He, he's, he's just been a really you know, good player, um, you know, and he's, at, he's had at least 94 yards from scrimmage in six straight games. So he has a nice floor. I mean, that's 9.4 points right there without scoring a touchdown. So, like, that's, that's a super nice floor. Um, and he, he also – is 137 uh, total yards shy of the all-time record for uh, for an undrafted running back that was set in 1962. So maybe he gets there in this game and they just feed it to him. If he gets like close to it and then they just feed it to him just to get him there on the second half, who knows? But you know, it, it's a decent enough matchup. Tennessee's like fine. I mean, they go up 26 points per game to opposing backfields. They're 15th DVOA. So this is really just like a, a middling matchup. So 7,500. You know, for a guy who's going to basically be on the field, you know, almost every play, getting 24 touches per game. Yeah, you know, I think that the volume and the floor is massive here. Um, the ceiling is always there. If he can get in the box a couple of times, he is their goal line back. So you're looking at three down plus goal line back at 7,500. I'm always into playing these these types of guys. Yep, couldn't agree more. Uh, James Robinson's just matchup proof. He's just really good. He doesn't get game scripted out. He gets there every single week. And I actually think this is kind of a sneaky shootout spot, which is weird to say when I'm talking about a Mike Glennon-led Jacksonville offense. But I just don't really have any respect for the Tennessee defense. Uh, they've been mediocre at best all year. I think Tennessee's going to have absolutely no problem putting up points on the board. And I think, you know, with a lot of people going with Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Corey Davis this week, it's, it's good correlation. Um, and uh, I mean, he's just as safe as it gets at running back this year. Yep. Uh, another guy I like going down in salary to 7K is Austin Eckler. Uh, so I, I actually, I like this game more than I think most people do. Uh, I think it's a decent bounce back spot for the Chargers after they got blown out 45 to nothing last week. And, you know, everyone was on Austin Eckler. And, I mean, he hit an absolute four game, only 12 touches, uh, eight carries, four uh, receptions on nine targets. That nine targets is really nice, right? Uh, and that's what I want to point out here. His last three games with Justin Herbert, he's had 11, 16, and nine targets, okay? That is, that is like elite wide receiver one number. It's ridiculous. So that provides a really, really nice floor running back. Uh, and I'm just willing to give this – this Chargers offense a mulligan from last week and just throw it out. I mean, everything that could have went wrong went wrong last week. They put up no fight. Herbert shit his pants. So, but that's that's what Belichick does against rookie quarterbacks and rookie-led offenses, right? Belichick destroys rookies, okay? Uh, now, you move on to this game with Atlanta. Yes, Atlanta's been a lot better on defense since Dan Quinn was given the boot. But they're still a mediocre at best defense, right? Um they're very difficult to run against. Their, their run D has been really, really solid. But when we roster Austin Eckler, we're not rostering him to, you know, go 20 carries for 100 yards and hit the rushing bonus, right? We, we like him because of his receiving floor. And 
if now I don't like to assume rational coaching, especially with Anthony Lynn, but man, the Falcons, they're giving, giving up the seventh fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs of the last four weeks. You have to think that the Chargers come in with a pass heavy attack, right? And Justin Herbert has been throwing so, so, so much. Like the Chargers have had 42 or more pass attempts in six of the last seven games. And that just speaks to Austin Eckler's skill set so, so well. He's so safe. I think a projection of eight targets in this spot is just perfectly reasonable. Uh, in addition to maybe, you know, 12, 12 carries or so, I mean, that's a projection for 18 to 20 touches with upside for more. And, man, if he, and we've seen that he doesn't even have to get in the box to hit values. So I don't know how many people are going to be on this Chargers offense, especially with Julio being ruled out. And it does make the game environment a lot more risky because we've seen how bad Matt Ryan is without him. And it could just be a game where they don't put up any, any flight really. And that's not what we want in this spot. So definitely a little bit of risk. And I don't like it as much as I had before the Julio news, but I still think Austin Eckler is about as, has about as safe of a floor as you can find. Yeah. I mean, and the the biggest thing is just the targets. I mean, those targets that he's getting are just that kind of target share is just ridiculous. It's, It's like, it really raises his floor, raises his ceiling, just really helps out everything. And um, yeah, I mean, we're not rostering him to be able to just jam him into the line. He's not Derek Henry, not going to just jam him into the line, you know, 25 times a game. So yeah, uh, I like Austin Eckler a lot. And, you know, Derek Henry, I also just want to mention him. He, he is in play up at 8,700, but of course uh, he's not, he's just not a guy that we're ever really going to play in cash games because of his, his cratering floor, especially up there at that price. If he was down at like 7,500, maybe it's a better conversation. Um, but at 8,700, he has to get in the box twice to really hurt you. And he's got to get over 100 yards, which, it, you know, could happen. But if game script gets away from him, he's he's dusted out. And that's just not the case with Austin Eckler. It's not the case with James Robinson, not the case with Gaskin or Aaron Jones. It's just all of these guys will be on the field on passing down situations and Derek Henry will not, unfortunately. So moving on to wide receiver, um, we we just have to talk about, we have to talk about Devontae Adams. And, you know, him and Aaron Rodgers are just on like this wrecking pace. These two are just like the best combo in the league. Okay. So I, I, I mentioned that Aaron Rodgers leads the league with seven passing touchdowns from inside the one. Almost all those are going to Devontae. Devontae Adams has 11 touchdowns in his last seven games. It's just, it's just ludicrous. I mean, Detroit, they're 25th in points per game to opposing uh, wide receiver ones in the season. They, they allow 18 points per game PPR to opposing uh, wide receiver ones. And Devontae Adams in his own right has averaged 28 DraftKings points per game over his last five. That's ridiculous. 10.6 targets per game, uh, 0.81 weighted opportunity rating, 105 yards per game, and he averages one end zone target per game. So, I mean, it's just, it's just really, really solid. If you're going to pick anyone to score a touchdown this week, it's probably going to be Devontae Adams. He, honestly, he probably has like a 90% chance of scoring a touchdown in this game. And it, of course, this Detroit defense allows a league leading 9.3 yards per target and a 70% catch rate and a 29th DVOA against the pass. So it's just like everything about this defense is garbage and everything about Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers is great. So at 9,300, 
uh, just I, I honestly I think you just keep playing him until he gets up over 10k and then maybe it's a conversation but his floor is ridiculous he has like a 15 point floor every single week at 9300 I think he's just you just lock in the the value of having that massive floor and access to a huge ceiling as well it's just ludicrous what he's done. I mean, he's had 1,700 yards over his last 16 games, like 16 touchdowns over that span or something ridiculous. Like, it just – it doesn't make sense, right? And it's – this is just what Aaron Rodgers is right now. I mean, he gets the goal line and he just looks at Devontae Adams and that's it. Maybe he throws the ball to Bob Tanyan, but, man, it's just all Devontae Adams. Yeah, he's 9,300. It's tough to fit on a slate like this where there really is a limited value, but – Man, if you can get him in there, play him because he is just so safe. He has the highest floor and ceiling in fantasy at the receiver position, probably at any position, frankly. So, yeah, if you can play him, do it. That's really all there is to it. Uh, I'll go back to the Chargers game here with Keenan Allen at 7,700. I think we've talked about Keenan Allen every single week, probably, and we do that for the same reason every single week. He has ridiculous volume with Justin Herbert. He's played 10 full games with Justin Herbert now. He's had double-digit targets in nine. He's leading the league in targets with 132, which is 10 more than uh, second place, which I believe is Stephon Diggs. Um, and here's the other thing. The Falcons, they're, they're still getting pummeled on, on through the air, right? They're allowing the second-most fantasy points to opposing receivers on, on the season, 43 points a game. Over the last four weeks, they're, they've given up 12th most with 38 points a game. So still mediocre at best. Uh, it's not something we're ever going to be worried about with Justin with uh, Keenan Allen. And it's just another situation that I pointed out earlier where it's going to be difficult for the Chargers to run the ball against the Falcons. And like I said, Herbert's had 42 or more pass attempts in six of the last seven games. 42. That is unprecedented volume. That is ridiculous. Uh, now, like I said, the only issue here is that we have to hope that Matt Ryan can put up a fight without Julio Jones, which he really hasn't been able to do very well this year. Now, granted, the Chargers defense, not very good. Say what you want about that. But, man, Matt Ryan is just – he looks washed, frankly. Like, I don't know. It's really got me tilting because I love this game environment. But uh, moving on from that, both these teams are top – six and situation neutral pace so the game should be should be sped up a good bit and I think that it's just another game where Keenan Allen's a lock for 10 to 12 targets probably getting the end zone target here uh, there's no one in the Falcons secondary that we're worried about whatsoever in terms of being able to limit Keenan Allen's production so 7,700 yes he's expensive but you know the volume he's seeing week in week out he's he's priced accordingly and I think if you can't fit a guy like Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen is probably the second best guy to go to. Yeah, also like Tyree Kill up there in that range. If you're going to go up there, Tyree Kill, I mean, it, and it, over the last five weeks, I mean, Tyree Kill has averaged 14.3 targets per game because that's just because Kansas City, they were throwing on early down to the first half over the last three weeks, 70 freaking 5% of the time. They're just dropping back and slinging. They just don't even care about football anymore, the Chiefs. They, they just don't care. They're just going to drop back and pass every single time. So, yeah, if you're going up there, 85. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, I'd do that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I want to get down to a couple of these value guys. And there's two guys that are pretty close to the same price range. I'm just going to knock them out at the same time. 
So one of them is Corey Davis at 5,700 taking on this Jacksonville putrid defense. You know, uh, he's had, let's see, over the last five weeks, he's had 6.2 targets per game, but he has a 15 A dot. So, I mean, he's getting these deep shots and, um, and he's averaged 86 yards from scrimmage per game over his last five as well. And of course, taking on this Jacksonville defense that allows 9.2 yards per target and a 69% catch rate, 31st DBA against the pass with a 30 implied total. Uh, I think the chances here for a touchdown for Corey Davis are pretty high. So, um, yeah, so Corey Davis in this spot is, is nice here. Um, you know, the volume is never really going to be there on a team that throws the ball in early down to the first half uh, 43% of the time. So, you know, they like to lean on the run uh, when they can with Derrick Henry. So, yeah, I mean, the target projection for Corey Davis is probably, I don't know, maybe six to eight targets in this spot. But his, his efficiency should be through the roof against this garbage Jacksonville defense. And especially as Corey Davis, he's third in the league in yards per outrun this year at 2.79. So he's he's right up there in, in all the efficiency metrics. He, he's really been um, awesome this year. And then the other guy around the same price range at 5200 so $500 cheaper, is Curtis Samuel. So Curtis Samuel's taking on this Denver defense, who on the surface has looked good, but now Bryce Callahan and A.J. Boye are both out. So they're left with some undrafted free agents back there and some guys who basically played like 15 or 20 snaps this year. And we know Curtis Samuel is a really good talent. It really helps that D.J. Moore is out. D.J. Moore, over the last five weeks, has averaged seven and a half targets per game. And you pull those out of there, who are those going to go to? Well, Curtis Samuel and uh, and Robbie Anderson are really the only two viable wide receivers in this in this offense. I mean, Brandon Zystra and Barrow Cooper are not going to be taking targets away from Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson. So, you know, Curtis Samuel's averaged 18 points per game over his last five, and that's with DJ Moore in. Now DJ Moore's out, 5,200. He's averaged 7.3 targets per game, 70 yards from scrimmage. I mean. He's been a pretty solid player. He's had 70-plus yards in three of his last four games. He's had double-digit targets or double-digit uh, PPR points in six of his past seven. So he's been a pretty consistent player. And now you take out DJ Moore, who's got basically a 25% target share in this offense, and that really opens up so much um, for Curtis Samuel. I, I think that both Curtis Samuel and Corey Davis are really nice values. I personally, I prefer Curtis Samuel. Um, for the $500 savings, but both of them are perfectly fine. Yeah, I'll start with Corey Davis. Um, it pains me to say that he's in play because Corey Davis has been on my do not fuck with list for a couple of years because uh, he, he was just seemingly a bust. But, man, he might be just this year's Devontae Parker. Like, you can't really fight how, you know, efficient he's been. He's really been pretty good. Uh, so it is a nice spot, but I just have trouble – Charleston Corey Davis like that's one of like the David Montgomery things like if Corey Davis costs me money in cash like I, I wouldn't be able to recover uh and so I say that to say this I like Curtis Samuel better as well and to just put the DJ Moore news into perspective over the last four weeks DJ Moore has accounted for 52 percent of the team's air yards that's second in the NFL he's had a 28.7 percent target share that's eighth in the NFL Four red zone targets were most on the team over that span, and he's at a .8 whopper, which is second in the NFL over the last month. So that really is a ton of opportunity for essentially just Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. Uh, and Curtis Samuel has already seen a 21% target share of the last month before that uh, DJ Moore news. So 
I really do think this could be a really, really nice spot for Curtis Sam. Yeah, we know Curtis Samuel's a good player, too. He's just been underutilized. And, you know, I mean, they're at home, and they have a 24 implied total, so it's not like they are they have a garbage implied total. At least it's enough. So touchdowns could be here. I, I think, yeah, at yeah, 5,200. Uh, you know, Curtis Samuel's really nice. Yeah, I mean, it helps that, you know, CMC has now been ruled out, too. Well, he's doubtful. He'll likely be ruled out, ruled out tomorrow, if, if not by sometime tonight. So, I mean, that's even more red zone chairs that are up for the grabs. You know, we, we know that Matt Rule loves to give Curtis Samuel some of these red zone carries um, with CMC out. So, I mean, I won't get mad at like a two-yard rushing touchdown for Curtis Sam, you know, in addition to his passing game work. So, yeah. Yeah. One more guy I want to bring up is Rashad Perryman. So, with Denzel Mims being out, Denzel Mims over the last five games, he's had 27% of the targets and 42% of the air yards. That's huge. That is some downfield work that Denzel Mims was getting. Well, Rashad Perryman, he's right up there as well. I mean, he's averaged 5.8 targets per game. He's averaged 64 yards per game, which if you expand – over his last five weeks, averaged 64 yards per game. If you expand that out to a 16-game season, that's 1,000 yards, which, you know, is certainly you know good enough. He's 3,900 taking on Seattle. We know how bad Seattle's pass defense is. It's just poor. They allow a 71% catch rate. 27th DB away, 8.4 yards per target, just just really bad. And they've been better recently, but they've taken on, you know, Colt McCoy, Carson Wentz, the you know, the ghost of Carson Wentz, and an injured Kyler Murray. So I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think that Seattle's gotten better uh in the past defense. I think that it's just ran to some easy opponents. And Rashad Perryman, I mean, he his A dot over the last five games is 19. So I mean the guy's just getting like these deep shots. He has a 0.62 weight opportunity rating. So like, you know, I think when you take out Mims, that's 27% of the team's targets. Those have to go somewhere. I know it's a guy on the Jets. I know it's Brashad Perryman who <laughs> he has some great pedigree, but you know, has never really figured it out. He's bounced around from team to team. But you know, he's he's actually found his footing here a little bit um, with the Jets with no Mims. And Crowder is also on the injury report. He's questionable with a calf injury. It's possible that Crowder could not go, and that would make Perryman a lock um, since there'd be no one else there. So, you know, Perryman, I think at 3,900, with his deep dot and with no Mims, basically him and Mims were getting like the same type of targets. Now you pull that out of there, and a lot of those are going to go to Perryman. So, uh, yeah, he still runs 4.39. <laughs> I know he's getting a little bit older. Still, a, he ran 4-3-9 at the combine. He can run right by these Seattle defenders. So I think he actually has some decent upside here in a game where you know that the Jets are going to be dropping back slinging all day long because Seattle is going to be throttling them from from the, the second that the game kicks off. I mean, Seattle is going to be right on top of the Jets. Like, it's white on rice. So uh, I, I do like Perriman in this spot. Yeah, I mean, the Jets are going to be forced to throw. And honestly, if, you, if we go back to last year, the end of the year when – Perryman was on uh, the Bucks, and Evans and Godmore were both hurt. Perryman was solid. Uh, he was solid then. He's been solid this year in the limited teams he's played. So if we don't get Crowder out there, it's going to be hard to fade that, man. Like, that's 50% of the team's targets just gone. And I don't even care if it's the Jets. They're going to be forced to throw all day. Uh, so, I mean, at 3,900, you're probably going to get eight targets from him, if I were to guess. So, um yeah, that's just really, really solid. 
especially, and I don't, I don't expect that 19 eight out to hold. If I were to guess what his eight out would be this game, it'd probably be something like 13 or 14, something a little shorter than that. Even that's deep. Um, I mean, he's just getting these deep balls. So if he gets eight targets at like a, <laughs> at a, at a 13, eight out, I mean, God, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're talking well over a hundred air yards and, and of course the tarts are coming from Sam Darnold and I know those are wobbly ducks, but you know, Seattle's past defense is garbage and, and who knows, maybe, maybe the Jets can hang around this game, but I, Rashad Perryman at that price is just too cheap and is a total lock button. If Crowder is somehow out in this game. So moving over to tight end, there is basically two guys and it's, if you're going up, it's Kelsey. If you're going down, you can punt it off. And you know, we don't like these mid range guys. Like we're not going to sit there and play Evan Ingram. We're not going to play Noah Fant or Goddard or Hurst or Henry or Tunyon or John or none of these clowns. No, we're either punting it off or we're playing Kelsey. So there's two line constructions you can go with. You can go up to Kelsey or you can punt it off with Cole Komet at 2,900 at home, taking on the Houston Texans. So Cole Komet, this has been like a three week thing now. So Cole Komet over his last three weeks has played 70, 79 and 78% of the snaps in the last three weeks. And in the last two weeks, He's completely usurped Jimmy Graham. So in the last two weeks, Cole Komet has ran 33 routes and then 33 routes again. And Jimmy Graham in the same time has ran 17 routes and then nine. So they're making the transition to Cole Komet, who is their rookie that they drafted this year. And he's clearly better than Jimmy Graham at this point. Um, you know, he ended up getting to the box last week, still at 2,900, you know, taking on this Houston defense that we know is bad. They allow 8.2 yards per target to opposing tight ends, which you know, league averages rate at like 7.2. So this, we, we know that Houston's a bad defense, you know, at 2,900, you can certainly do worse and we're always looking to punt it off. I, I think that, you know, even with a 22 implied total, this is going to be a close enough game. So they should be throwing throughout. I know it's Mitch Trubisky. I know it's, you know, it's just, it, it's kind of ugly, but that's just kind of the way tight end goes. It's either you get up to Kelsey or you just punt it off with some ugly tight end and pray for a touchdown. So at least we know Komet's going to be out there and he's the tight end one in this offense. At least we know that he is their main tight end. They phased Jimmy Graham completely out of the offense. So, you know, it's a good matchup form, 2,900 lead tight end in the offense. I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, 2,900 for starting tight end. I mean, it helps that, I mean, he was the best tight end prospect coming out of the draft, pretty much why we considered as as such. Uh, he was the first tight end taken in the draft. Uh, he's so we know he's a great prospect, um, and now he's finally served the corpse of Jimmy Graham. He really <laughs> is just he's, God. He can't even move. He's like the Demarcus Cousins of the NFL at this point. Like, dude can't <laughs> move. Um, but. So we love to see that. I mean, like uh, 2,900 at tight end, there's really not a lot to like at tight end any given week. So when you get a value, you know, sub 3K as a starting tight end, unless you're paying up for Travis Kelsey, there's just no opportunity calls. We talk about this every week. So just slot Cole Komet in. That That's the value that we need, especially if you're not going to play a guy like Jalen Hurts um, because there really is no value at all at running back outside of Miles Gaskin uh, and at receiver. It's pretty much Perriman Gallup or, or you're paying, you know, mid-range and, and higher. So uh, being able to punt off tight end with a guy who, I mean, is going to be on the field, you always feel good about that. Um, so like you said, there's really just two guys. It's Cole Komet and it's Travis Kelsey. Um, 
Now, I won't be tra playing Travis Kelsey, but he, you have to talk about him, right? He's 7,400. It's probably still too cheap. Uh, if, if Kelsey was wide receiver eligible, he would be the wide receiver three on the season, which is pretty crazy. I mean, he's, he's going to eclipse 200 fantasy points this weekend. For the last five weeks, he's had 10-plus targets. He's just as consistent as it comes at, the, at any position, you know, and, and when you get the slot in at tight end, it, it's just such an advantage over the field if you have the salary to do it. Um, he's had double-digit fantasy points in all but one game. He's had 14.7 points or more in all but two games. Yes, Miami is middle of the pack versus tight end, but the tight end matchups don't matter when it's Travis Kelsey. Like it just doesn't. It's irrelevant. Uh, so if you want to play him, go for it. You just have to punt quarterback and wide receiver. Yep, absolutely. I mean, Travis Kelsey, he's basically a wide receiver. So, I mean, God, yeah, you're going to have to punt down to Jalen Hurts. You're going to have to punt down to Rashad Perriman to fit him in. Um, you know. Both, at least. Probably. Yeah. And maybe one other wide receiver spot as well. So, it's really it, – it, playing Kelsey puts your lineup in a really odd construction. I much prefer Cole Komet. Um He's basically going to be on the field as much as Travis Kelsey is. Obviously, they're mm -hmm. apparently it's futile, but at, at the price difference is, you know, what are they like 5K different on this slate? So, um, so yeah. pretty much, yeah. yeah. Four so, and a half K difference makes a huge difference. Yeah. So that's going to do it for And I'm trying to think of like who could be the windmill. I, you know, I don't know. I'm really coming around on, on Cousins, I think. And just because he's going to be low-owned. And, you know, typically, you know, I don't really care about ownership in cash. Um, but, you know, when you, especially with quarterback. But, you know, I'm, I'm fine kind of going against the against the grain here. People are really going to be all over Aaron Rodgers. And I love Aaron Rodgers in this spot, but he's a little expensive. He's, you know, he's 1,300 more than Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is 6,200. You only need like 18 points from him. He's projecting for like 17. I think he smashes that projection. We talked about why we love him. I think that Kirk Cousins in this spot as a dog, being forced to throw in a game with a 53, uh, 53 over under against Tampa Bay, where we know they're going to be throwing, they're going to put up points. And he has these massive weapons with, you know, with Jefferson, with Thielen, Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. I really do like Kirk Cousins. I think I'm going to call it Kirk Cousins windmill play of the week. He puts up 28, and uh, and it's a print fest for Kirk Cousins. I'm right there with you. I was going to say I think Kirk Cousins paired with one of those receivers, Jefferson or Thielen. Uh, I don't know how owned any of those guys are going to be in cash. So if if they do hit, that's a lot of leverage off over the rest of the field, and I really think that they really suit up well. Um, and then other than that, to get a little different from you, I think Curtis Samuel really could be in for a 100-yard-plus game, you know, get into the box. I think that would be real nice at, at a $5,200 price tag. So I think he's about as solid as it comes. So, yeah, that's my window. Yeah, my highest conviction players on this slate, I think that Kirk Cousins, Miles Gaskin, Curtis Samuel, uh, and probably Devontae Adams. They're like my, my highest conviction, my favorite plays on the slate, if you will. Um, they will most likely be in my my cash line. But who knows? It's Friday night. We'll see by Sunday with all the injury carnage and everything that plays out in this 2020 COVID season. So we shall see. 
So that's going to do it for episode 17 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. We'll be back on Monday night breaking down our cash lineups and seeing how it went. If we got dunked on or if Kirk Cousins completely dunked on everybody, uh, we will be back Monday to recap it. And until then, good luck, everybody.